Hey, welcome to another episode of uh, Dream Chasers Podcast. Uh, guess I have on today. Uh, I call him one of the godfathers of basketball, uh, Kevin Merriweather. Uh, met him in high school. All the girls, all the top girls that played basketball knew who Kevin Merriweather was. Uh, my wife, who was my friend at the time, played for him. Um, I just have a lot of admiration for uh, Coach Merriweather. And I kind of I kind of want to talk about some of the um, some of the principles that he's instilled in these women and some of these young girls that he's still coaching today. Coach, how you doing? I'm good. How you doing? Man, I'm good. I'm good. So, like I said, I mean, I, I, I definitely can't say, you know, words can't express uh, the admiration that I have for you, coach. Um, I, I definitely one of the things. When I started doing basketball training and started coaching, you were one of the most influential people I could think of because of, um, you know, how selfless you was about the game. I mean, you were you were trying to build good people. You were trying to, um, you know, build some of the best players, and you did it the right way. I mean, this day and age, um, not a lot of people are doing it the way that you have done it or not a lot of people are doing it the way that you do it. So um, – with that being said, let's dig into your background. Where are you from? I'm from Indianapolis. I'm here. I'm a graduate of uh, Christmas Addicts High School. I actually went to Northwest my first three years. Okay. All right. All then right. After, mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, then after that, I went to Purdue uh, for one year and then transferred to University of Indianapolis, graduated with um, a bachelor degree, a couple of associate degrees, and Hey, after that, it just got mixed up. No, <laughs> it got mixed up. It got mixed up. So, I, mixed up. I, how'd you how'd you get into the uh, into into the basketball game? How did you get into coaching? Well, you know, that, and I said where the mixed up part came. So, yeah, okay. I have a degree in, in science, and okay. actually thought about working and going to cure all the uh, the cancer and the ailments right. of the world. And right. I was, I mean, I, I pretty much, even though people see me as outgoing, I was a loner. <laughs> wow. Uh, so I, uh, yeah. So I worked a summer program. Okay. Um, Partners 2000, and uh, where we got jobs for kids and things, and um, that started me off just working with young people. Right. Then I went and subbed um, over at School 61. Okay. And I, I have to say, and I have had, you know, coming out of basketball in college, you just said, well, you know, basketball is not going to be a part of my my life at that time. I had right uh, the oldest daughter was six years old. Mm-hmm. And never thought about her playing basketball. Really did didn't right. have a, you don't have a son. That's why I always appreciate you all because y'all just y'all my uh, my adopted sons. Absolutely. But I uh, uh, a science one of my one of my middle school science teachers uh, mm-hmm. taught me into coming and taking the girls' job right at school sixty one. It was a seventh grade girls basketball team. Right. Now coming out of college, I was still competitive, and I just right. did not, uh, you know, I, I was going, you know, it was basketball, basketball. It really didn't matter right. what the sex was; it was just basketball. Absolutely. What goes on once once you step inside those lines, it's a, you're a basketball player. Right. So I met some kids, inner city kids, um, went to school sixty one. Mm-hmm. One I think of, uh, I think about my post player Robin Duncan, who was just terrified to play her first game. Right. Just terrified, right. and you know one of the things that that 
I've done that I could, that I've always been able to do was instill confidence. Right. And so yeah. Robin wound up being one of the top players. We actually um, won the conference. Um, I was looked <laughs> just kind of found across. There was another guy who I looked up to, but yeah. he didn't really pre- he didn't appreciate me coming out my first year and beating up on everybody, including <laughs> him. Right. So right. I. <laughs> So, uh, but those, but those girls, um, those young, you know, now women, they're all doing great things. They're all professionals. Uh, right. I said it was Robin Duncan and Anita Jordan. Uh, her brother was called Jordan, who you know was the the Dust Bowl legend uh-huh. uh, around here. Um, that and, and I didn't realize it was a little sister until I took her home one day. Right. And I said, "This is where Carl lives." And right. she goes, "Like, yes, my friend." <laughs> right. So, right. and then Charles, and then I was the ball boy for years. So Charlie Jordan, I met him. So there's just a big age gap between them. Right. Um, one, um, I mean, there was a. I had a daughter who's now a nurse, Kim right. Selmeyer. Right. I have another, uh, uh, Audrey Robinson, who I can't say enough about. Audrey has about. Uh, I don't know if you want to call them uh, endorsements, degrees, or whatever, but Audrey's really special. She raised, right. you know, she, she's raised a beautiful family, um, and they're all doing something. You know, that was the thing about it, Sean. But this, and, and let me tell you something. That I have to tell you, with one, with with Sean, the Kenny, she was, uh, and it's funny because I came in with, the concept, things that I learned, the things that I learned that I still use now, I learned in my first year to do under Lee Rose. Wow. And so there was, so I always put that a one, two, three, four, and five was where positions. Uh-huh. We ran an offense around it. And that was a year for do, you know, went to the final four. Right. Joe, Joe Barry Carroll, Annette Allman, Brian Walker, Keith Edmondson, my, Mike Scares, uh, mm-hmm. Drake the Snake Moores. I mean, that was probably the best team Purdue had, so I got to compete against them for a whole year. Right. And um, they're very special. And the things that I, and again, things that I still use today, mm-hmm. and we're talking uh, 40 years later. Wow. <laughs> and wow. they still work. And they still work. So the concepts work. But anyway, um, we went on. Um, I ran into, uh, actually, IPS was not real happy with me um, because wow. of the because of the scores. Um, they said I was running up, running up the scores, really? and you know, I, yeah, yeah, you know, forty years later, I still get accused of running up scores. <laughs> but you know, but when you get beat up on, you don't hear about it anymore. Right, absolutely, right. yeah, yeah, I don't hear about it anymore. But back then, it was a problem, right? And it caused me to miss the championship game. They actually held me out of the championship game, and at that time, I just said, I never, I never want to coach Tyus again. I didn't even want to coach again. Wow. So, some years passed. I started working with my uh, my father, who mm-hmm. was uh, who was an agent at the time. He raised George Gervin in high school. Became went from advisor, and right. because of the NBA sanctioned it, he had to become his agent. Uh, Sean Kemp and, um, and William Bedford. And I actually uh, lived with William Bedford for two years. One time in uh, Phoenix, the first year, mm-hmm. uh, which was the, which was the year of the Phoenix scandal. And next time in San Antonio. So, um, you know, I just, I've had a very, very interesting life, but it always goes, comes back and goes back to basketball. Right. It, it's done a lot for me. Right. And <clears throat> when I came back, the oldest daughter signed me up. So we went to, she wanted to play at Tabernacle with her friends. Right. And she, 
and I go, we sign up. I said, well, how are we going to do this? When, you know, when you don't know how to play, I, I got to teach you. Or She right. knows, I signed you up to be the coach. I said, well, <laughs> you signed me up to be the coach. Right, right. And so, yeah, yeah. So that point on, you know, it, it really, um, it meant I met Reggie Stewart, uh, Reggie, Reggie Stewart Melson's dad. Right. Um, uh, Tab at that time, two coaches could draft a, their kids first. So Reggie and Trina started playing together. Right. And, you know, from then through high school, they never lost, well, through middle school. Mm-hmm. They never lost any, any games until each other. And that pretty much almost carried over even in the high school. They both had exceptional careers. And along the way, right. we sit, we talk. We said, well, hey, I'm never going to make enough money. I don't think to where I can pay for her to go to college. But I tell you what, I think we can sit down and talk about this basketball right. and find a way to send kids to school. And that's pretty much how it all started. Right, right. So let me. So <clears throat> before we, before I, I dive in, because I'm gonna throw a little, a couple of thoughts that I have out there. But before sure. we do that, it's it's funny because if you listen to this story, you need to go back and you need to listen to Katrina Merriweather, who is the daughter of uh, Coach Kevin. She actually tells this story on how that tabernacle thing went. That's why I'm kind of laughing because she told me the story. I laughed the whole way. But um, one thing that what what I'm hearing from you in which I always talk about this. I talk about this on Facebook. Uh, anytime I talk to any kids, period, um, the game of basketball or, or sports, period, um, has helped, has generated so many relationships. Um, you know, that, that, that's kind of been the biggest takeaway from playing sports. I mean, the people that I've met along the way, just like, you know, me and Coach Kevin, I mean, we, I, I, I talk to you and we have some conversations that are unbelievable. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, the, and, and our relationship is, is, has been crazy because of sports. It's like if I would have never had sports, I would have never been blessed to, to have met you. So I, I look at, um, you know, I, I think people are in some of the stuff for the wrong reason. They're in it because they want their son to be an NBA player or they want their daughter to be the best player in the region. And I'm, and I'm not saying don't reach for the stars, but ultimately, I mean, the relationships and the things that you're going to learn from the game of basketball is much more important than going out and trying to, uh, <clears throat> trying to overdo things. So just like what you said, I mean, when, when I, I remember when I first got to Indiana, um, you know, I start, we start talking about AAU and stuff like that. And, all the girls always are like, no, the family, the family, like, what's the family? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and then all of a sudden one day you bring my little sister home. I'm like, okay, that's the guy that read the family. You know, and it was like, it, it was just crazy to me because it was like, I, I heard all this stuff about you. And then here you come dropping my sister off home. I'm like, this guy is gold. So, you know, um, I, I just feel like as a listener, if you're listening into this, you need to understand it's not just about what your kid, uh, son or daughter is going to do on and off the field, on and off the court. It should be bigger than that. It should be learning life lessons and trying to turn them into great people. And that's one of the things that you have done for sure. Well, I, I appreciate I appreciate that, and I have to you know, and I have to start by saying, you know, you say family. And right. I tell people all the time, it's more than a name; it's an idea. Right. I right. ran, I ran in school suspension, so I dealt with kids with behavior problems. 
Right. And, you know, and in that you get that you want to understand where they come from, their backgrounds. Absolutely. I let them ask me questions as long as they weren't too personal. Mm-hmm. And but one day, um, one kid asked me, Mr. Ray, you always talk about kids. How many kids do you have? Do you have a big family? Right. And I said, I started off and I was just dueling on the desk. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, um, I don't. I've got a couple of daughters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, they said, um, which I became three daughters. And then they said, um, right. uh, but but I have so many. I have young ladies. But at that time, I had about 40, 40 or 50 young ladies that were now playing, from right. the girls that are now playing. And so I wrote, that's my family. Right. And so when I wrote that down and looked at it, that's how the name actually was born. Wow. It was born from that in-school suspension and finding out about one another. And, right. and, and and like I said, at that time when I started doing it, things had just changed. When I, Harvey, when I was growing up, <clears throat> one thing, you know, if an adult or someone down the street caught you doing something wrong, they could whip you. And right. they could call home and right. you get whipped again because you embarrassed your home. Right. And so the family has always been parents looking out for each other's kids because we can't always be where our children are. Right. So when you see my daughter's doing something wrong, stop them, please. Right. You Absolutely. know, and and and, they, and all they better say to you is yes, ma'am, and, yes. And, or yes, sir, right. and keep it moving. I mean, I've I've removed, I've taken kids out of the program for being disrespectful right. to other adults. It had nothing to do with basketball. So yeah, it's uh, that's exactly what it is. And so, like I said, I use it as a vehicle, right, to get kids into college, get college scholarships. And you know, it took me a long time to accept that as a ministry mm-hmm. or in my calling. You know, you just don't because, hey, you know, I, I, I was raised up in the church and there was nothing greater than the church. Right. And so I didn't want to, I didn't want to compete with God either. Right. And say by, by it being a ministry or it being a calling because I, I wasn't a preacher, even though there was some of my family that thought I should be. Right. And uh, so, but then I did, I started understanding that I pretty much sacrificed everything you know, for these young ladies and, you know, for them to make it in this world. And there's not that you understand the, the pride that I have. And I love Facebook for that because it's, I, I know where every seventh grade player I had right. back in 1985 is. Right. And I'm just able to keep up with them. And when they accomplish things, I said, hey, it was, it was just, it was good. It was right. a good thing. Right. Absolutely. Well, man, and, it's it's funny. So let's let's change gears a little bit. Let's talk about okay. um, some some. Well, matter of fact, before we even before we even do that, let's talk about how the game has changed, and um, you know, a little bit on how the parents have changed. Um, and and what I mean by that is, you know, it just seems like back in the day, um, you know, parents probably entrusted <clears throat> entrusted kids to you. Because more or less, they probably knew you. They knew the type of person you was. Um, <clears throat> it wasn't nothing like, oh, well, you know, this is the biggest, greatest program there is. Let me run my kid over here. You were, you were entrusted to mold these kids. You were entrusted to uh, build up the type of people they would be. Whereas now, you know, I'm going to run over here to, you know, Harvey's Dream Chasers team because he has the number one player there. Um, 
was that like? What was the evolution of that um, when you started and, you know, when you were able to get, you know, Regin Stewart that, you know, dad can feel that you that you um, can feel the presence of what you were thinking about doing or, or can see your vision that you were going to make sure that his child was in a good position and and then as well as building the type of person that she was. Give me something on like how that how that changed or uh, what you saw through building the family and then, you know, into the present day. Um, you know, it's, that, that's interesting that you say that because, mm. you know, Regan went to Arsenal Tech High School and she right. has 12 letters. Freedom went to Cathedral and has 11 out of 12 letters. Mm-hmm. And their education was the same. And so, um, so, you know, starting with the education part of it, you get out of the school what you want to get out of it. I, don't, I, I hate that. I really don't like people saying something is better than something else because mm. what makes it better? What's your definition of better? Right. So, you know, that's it. With that being said, let's go back to um, the family itself has always been built on individual development, mm. not a team development. Right. Uh, we basically have teams because I want my kids to use the things that I'm trying to teach. Right. So that's where the team concept is. But getting, but you know, at, at the end of the day, only one person, maybe two sometimes when you have cold something. Uh-huh. For the most part, and I tell my daughter all the time, there's only, there's only room for one at the top. Only right. room for one. Right. And, and it's lonely up there. Right. It's lonely at the top. And that's one of the hardest things I think that young athletes now have a problem with. Right. Um, you know, you, uh, but back then I had a group of, of young ladies that were good athletes. Um, I just didn't, and I took the training that I got going back from Oscar Robertson and my dad. Right. You know, um, moving on up to George McGinnis, George Durbin, the, the professional players that I was exposed to, the things I learned. And all I did was not working with girls, I just instilled what I knew into them. Right. And so we've had some great individuals some players that I was able to develop from a very young age. Um, I think we had a conversation before we talked about Ashley Barlow and Tashia Phillips. Right. One of them is five seven. She says she's five eight. The other <laughs> one is, is six six. Right. And you know, I mean, and they have to admit themselves that they were not at all athletic. Right. And but they but their work ethic was undeniable. They just That's wanted right. to be great. Right. And they did. Ashley Barlow with five seven or five eight, mm-hmm. you know, holds is, is in the top ten in, in, in a different categories at Notre Dame University. Right. Um Tashia Phillips became a force that, that basically no one could withstand. Right. And you know, and I and so like I said, I had more I was able to develop more. Right. Uh, we weren't going through all the tournaments. Right. In fact, you know, AU was about the only thing offered. And that was a battle with us trying to qualify then. Uh, right. Just tough. And so one day, um, a gentleman in Columbus, Ohio, Tim Brown, I think his son now works for the Pacers, okay. invited me to come over. He had a program called Take ABC. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, you know. And so that's when I started understanding, really, the recruiting process uh, right. at that time. Right. But like you, but going back to the question you were asking about this, individual development i am concerned about players of the day right because they're not as good you know and they're not as good as they were right um the the work ethic is not the same they think playing on a great team 
I tell people all the time, you can put on the family name all you want. That doesn't make you great. Right, right, uh, absolutely. You know, it makes, yeah. you know, my daughter would say, Daddy, why do you teach everybody the same thing you teach me? I said, because if you want to be better, you have to work harder. Well, absolutely. I'm not, to, I'm not, I'm not going to not teach someone else. You, you know what? And, I, and let me let me stop you just for a slight sure. second. I'm sorry, but that's one of the things that I believe in. I believe in like people will say, "Oh well, you know, it seems like you do every you do the same things with everybody that you do with your daughter." And it's like I'm not afraid of competition, and I try to make her not afraid of competition. If some people want to, you know, some people want to train, you know, or or coach certain people differently because they want to give an edge. You know, your the edge is going to be given in your work ethic and how and how hard you go at it. You know what I mean? I, I was telling you this story the other day of, you know, I'm I'm not trying to sit here and say that I know everything, but I watched my brother that went to the NBA, I watched him, I watched him go after this harder than any other guy. You know what I mean? And even even yeah. if, even when he was coming up the ranks and people were just as good as he was, he was still outworking them. It was like, you know, for me, I, you know, in my mind, I was like, yeah, you know, I want to be a good basketball player, but I said it, <laughs> you know, and I, and I did work at it, but I didn't work at it the way he did. And and that holds a lot of weight to me that, you know, you would give the same stuff you would give to your daughters, and you're like, hey, well, now you got to go out, and you put it on their shoulders. I, I, I appreciate that. But go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, well, you know, and, and, and to that, I mean, I have to tell the story. You know, those who know me in my relationship with George Gerber, the uh-huh. Iceman. Right. My dad had him in, in school. There was no good back right. then, okay? So mm-hmm. my father would leave the keys. George would, would we had to clean up the gym. Mm-hmm. We're talking, my summers were spent there were from June to August. Every day, mm. every day, we shot the ball. He shoot. He shoots 250. He passes it to me for 100. I pass it back to him for 250. Right. We did this. For, he took 750 shots every day. Golly. People can't do that. You you try to tell a kid right now, even with a gun, as soon as they phone ring, oh, <laughs> I, hold on, I gotta take a break. <laughs> right. 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 We were in a we were in a gym a minimum of four hours every day. Right. So I mean, like I said I got to train with one of the best scorers there were. Right. As was, I was I was five nine and, and he was six five. It grew right. later to six eight, and I went to six one. Right. But you know, the, the people don't understand that work ethic. You know, uh, that's the part that concerns me about today's kids. My father used to have a discussion with me, and he actually told me in my face, you know, he won't make it because you're not hard enough. I'm like, not hard enough. I love this thing. I go right. hard. Right. He said, yeah, but you you. He said, but you're not that kid who's missing a meal or only have one pair of shoes. Right. You know, you just, you know, and, and, it's, and it's, I started understanding that more and more. Now you got players whose sons are making the, the league and it looks like, well, it's no more the poor kid. Right. That's not true. You have a Zion Williamson. Right. Was, and even though that's, I guess they had played uh, also, but you have players who are not from the NBA birthright. Right. You know, who are, who are making it. Um, on their own, so that throws out mixed messages. You know, like, well, the only person that I I know kids who can buy their way, some kids buy their way into the league now. Right, right. Uh, but it just doesn't happen that way. And so, it's, right. you know, more than anything else, I've found out in dealing with the NBA and, and professional athletes, it's right. not being in the right place at the right time. Right. I go there are guys on the street that were good enough to be in the league. Absolutely. And like I said, 
you know, it's just about being in the right place, right time. And so it's a blessing uh, that it happens. But for our kids now, like you said, this is a thing where I got to go where the biggest is. I got to go where the best is. Right. Uh, one, one more story before, you know, like Skylar Diggins played with us, mm. uh, with the family. And um, they were trying to build this super team with Kelsey Bone, Brittany Griner, and some other players. Right. And they came and asked Skylar to play on this team. Mm-hmm. And so we had a meeting. Her her stepdad is my cousin. And we sat down. And I went to South Bend and we met. Right. And, you know, she, and I said, why would you want to go play on a team and be the number two or three player right. when you're number one right here? Right. You know, Skylar never asked who was playing with her. That's right. one thing I love about her. She didn't care who was on her team. There were four players. She thought she could win a game. And she right. made me believe we could win any game that she played. Right. Uh, and so those kind of things, parents just aren't, aren't, aren't doing that anymore. They're, they want to try to go where the best player is, thinking that that player is going to. You know, I want to play against the best. I don't necessarily want to play with the best all the time. I want to play against the best. Right, absolutely. And that's how, that's how we made our reputation. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's it's a, it's a lot of different factors that go into that. I mean, you got to think about the NBA now. I mean, you know, these this is what these kids are watching. These guys are going on vacation in, in the summer together. Um, you know, this guy is talking to this guy to get him to his team. I mean, the level of, of, of competition uh, is I think it definitely has dropped. Um, you know, I, I can remember when I watched basketball, when I started watching basketball, I didn't know a whole bunch about it, but I really liked that. You know what I mean? Jordan didn't like the Pistons. You know what I mean? I really liked yeah. that. You know what I mean? When Orlando and them tried to beat Jordan and them, how, how competitive they was. I didn't, I didn't see, you know, Michael Jordan saying, Oh, you know what? Well, I can't, I, it was hard for me to beat the Pistons and they beat me up. Let me go over here and let me join that team. Nah, he was over the summers lifting weight. You know what I mean? He was over right. the summer, you know what I mean, working on his jumper, perfecting it to be. It's, it's not like that anymore. It's kind of like, you know, oh, where are you working out at? Let's work out together. You know what I mean? What what team do you play for in the summer? Okay, I played for this team. And I, like you said, like Skyler was, I was the number one option. Now let me come join you so we can go beat up on everybody. You know, how, how are you ever going to get ahead with that attitude? I mean, it, and it just seems like, we have we have a certain amount of um, of parents that are kind of okay with okay well let's go over here let's do this instead of sticking it out and letting them um, make their name for for themselves I mean I I, I just think that's I, I just wish um, for most parents and like I said for even even for my own daughter I I just hope that that she can go into it with the mind that no matter what position she's at or she's in that she can make a difference, that she can be the, she can be the Skylar on the team, that doesn't matter who the floor steps, who's the four other people that step on the floor, that we can go into this and we're going to win the game because of me. You know what I mean? And, and, that, and that transfer over into life. You know, if you, if you have that attitude and you go to Eli Lilly and you're an entry-level exec and you feel like, oh, you know what, I'm going to take, take this company to the top before you know it, you, you might be the VP. But if you just feel like, oh, well, I'm just I'm joining a, a dream team and I'm happy to be here, well then guess what? You're gonna you're gonna be you're gonna be content with where you are and then you're gonna stay there. Or you're gonna have somebody that's gonna come behind you and they and they're gonna jump the ranks really quickly. You know what I mean? But uh, yeah. oh, so 
uh, and like I said, I know I said a mouth. I know I said a mouthful with that. Um, sure. You know, one, yeah, right. yeah. Well, I, I, like I said, we have a lot of conversations, and when we talk, I mean, you know, we we kind of just let it out. But um, you know, I I just like I said, I I don't see it. I don't see it like that anymore. Like I said, it, it just it really seems like people are just you know, they're going to, they're going to be in it because of, you know, whose name is by it. Who can I tag, who can I tag along? Let me jump, let me jump on some coattails instead of you going in and you tearing stuff up. So, but, um, going, go ahead. Let me, let me, let me say this, you know, going back and and talking about individual players and players, you know, in 2005, we had a team, uh, that won the first Nike nationals and, Mm. and, and granted Nike gave us a state. Right. It was a state, but we play. We would play anybody, excuse me, anywhere uh-huh. because of that kind of team. It did. It wasn't about the shoes they wore. Right. I mean, you know, like I told them back then, y'all, all, you should be glad that we're representing you right. more so than that we're representing. Yeah, you know, than you're representing us. Right. And that group came together, and I argue with anybody that it's the best high school team ever put together. Right. And 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 they've actually shown even through the years that the WNBA players that are in the league, we beat them all. Right. And but it wasn't about that. It was just about letting them uh play. Because I'm gonna be honest with you, I didn't have the culture. Right. They sub they literally sub for themselves, you know, <laughs> that was really? there was no fighting, no argument. Right. They get tired, they beat up on some players, they say, You wanna come get me? Right. People they fight to get off the bench. It was truly a family team, right? And and like I said, they came from everywhere. Though well, they, there were a couple from Ohio. There were a couple from Illinois. That was again. That's before a lot of the rules changed. And when we played AAU here in Indiana, Indiana didn't know what hit them. They had never seen a Latirism before. Right. Latirism was like any other guard, you know. And now she coaches at Kentucky State now. Went to John Hope. Uh, with the LSU as their starting guard, ran into some health issues. But I'm just saying that, this, and, and that's the, and you can probably hear it in my voice, the excitement of having a player that nobody can stop. Right. That's, that, you know, that's what Indiana doesn't have anymore. There aren't, you know, when's the next player going to come out that, that, that's unstoppable in the country? Right. You know, rather than all they want to do now is build a team, win a championship. Who are you win a championship for? Your name, right? Or the kid, right? Absolutely. You know, we, yeah. So I mean, I mean, I just you know just wanted to put that part in as we talk about the the game and how it's changing. Right, right. So going back to the family, how many girls have been have you touched in that program? Well, we're, there's over four hundred that have gone to college on scholarship. It, and just give it take. There's over 400 of them. Right. Um, they, they know who they are, and and so do we. Right. And uh, you know, like I said, we got some that that you know, I mean, like nothing's perfect. You know, some were not. You know, uh, you know, a couple even you know have been killed. Uh, some of them are running to you know other things, and and like I said, you know, like my grandmother used to tell me, you know, he might be a dog, but he's your dog. You right. know, it might be it might not. And that's one thing is I don't ever talk negative about anybody's child. You right. know, that's never am I going to hurt a child to advance my own. Right, absolutely. Uh, but, yeah, but like I said, it, it's just a family. You think about how family was way back when, 
Right. That's why I'm still trying to represent that. Right. And now everybody has it, wears it, but they don't really know the meaning of it. Right, right. Out of out of out of your four hundred, or out of out of those four hundred plus girls that you've dealt with, who was the most challenging? Um, I would say, I would say, a girl that was kind of like a project that, you know, when you first saw, her, um, maybe she hadn't played the game, or maybe she was just learning it, and you know, she made a success story out of herself. And he talked about Tashia, he talked about Ashley Barlow, but who was the uh, the most challenging project that you took on, and you know? Let's talk a little bit about her success. Oh man, that, you know that's that's really hard <laughs> to say. Any one of them, I'd say the most challenging would be my daughter. But, uh, oh, okay, okay, absolutely. <laughs> I, I hear you. <laughs> now, now I'm gonna put it back on her. She might right. be the most challenging of them all. Right, right. Uh, well, in fact, and then and then she came the youngest daughter after her. So my right. daughters were the two most challenging players that I had. Right. But you know, they all came from, from different eras. Uh, right. like I had I had my battles with Shari Eli. Okay. You know, after everybody tells her she's number one. Right. And she just gonna do what she wanna do. She'll tell you right now. You ask her what's the most embarrassing thing that ever happened to her, and I'll tell it. I had to put her she had to go sit in the corner during the game because she just don't go get some water because she's Shari Eli. Right. And I went like, No, 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 no. Right. Right. I've had I've had uh, players who I've had take their uniform off in the middle of the game, go there and sit with your friends. Go sit with your friends over there. Right. I've done it. There's there's no one that, that is beyond right. that. There's no one player that has been that good. And I've had some great Amber Harris, mm-hmm. you know, who I, I still think some, you know, in in her younger years is the best to put her hands on basketball. We right. have to we still fight about that that discussion right now. Right. But uh there they have there have been so many. Then you had a Jackie Batiste who I just had the big to come play for me, and everybody said, well, you know, Batiste, he got all them players on his team. You're not going to play. I had to tell her, girl, you're going to play. And she, you're going to tell me to take you out. And she right. did. She pulled a tuck on her jersey. Mm-hmm. I said, keep her going. I get in there. You're not coming out. Right. So, I mean, there right. have been. I mean, come on, I deal with, inter, you know, dealing with inner city kids. Right. Um, you're going, I, they, they, they all present their own challenges. All 400 of them probably have a story to tell about me and them. Right, right. And so, yeah, I mean, experiences are are undeniable. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It's funny that you said your daughter was probably the most challenging because it's like, you know, <laughs> dealing with kids. You know, I got a lot of kids that I can tell them to go jump off a cliff and they will do it tomorrow. But I tell my daughter to do it. She's like, no, you jump off a cliff. Why? <laughs> you know, right. so, after, after, after you, daddy. <laughs> right, right. You showed me first. So I, I said, it's funny because, like, even even with coaching my daughter throughout the years, I've had to have other come. Like, can you go talk to her? Can you tell her? You know, or somebody else would. You know, I've even I've even taken her to go train with other people because it's like, you know, all right, I'm trying to tell you to do it this way, and you don't want to do it. So I take her somewhere else, and it's like, what'd you do? Oh, uh, the same stuff that we do. Oh, okay. All right. Well, maybe I know a little bit. So. That that's funny that you said that, but oh, that's how, that's how you do that. But but hard. Let me let me give a little bit of this this one mm-hmm. bit of advice I'll give to any father coaching his daughter. Now I'm not going to ever turn this. I can't get no advice on that one. Right. Before you have to the one agreement that me and Trina made uh-huh. very early on that I will separate being your coach and being your father. Right. What that means is. You're not going to have a bad game. I'm not going to speak to you when we get home. Or you're going to 
had to do more work at home because you had a bad game or because you got in trouble in school, you're going to run extra laps. Right. I, we, we have always kept it separate. Uh, right. We have probably missed big moments of each other's careers and lives mm-hmm. because of that agreement. Right. We know that we're there for one another in, in, in spirit and mind and heart and soul. Right. But if she got a job to do, she got a job to do. If I got one to do, I got one to do. Right. And that's really hard, though, for parents to separate. When I play other teams, yeah. I listen. I listen for that coach to tell one of them players, just do something. Right. And I go like, oh, let me try to find where his daughter is because right. I'm going to frustrate her. Right, right. <laughs> I, I listen to that because a lot of people cannot separate that. Right. You, when you hear that one thing, yeah. well, what do you want me to do? Just do something. Oh my that's, goodness! That's a home. That's a home to me. <laughs> it's time. <laughs> go get her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We go. We go call her. The problem is, coach go get frustrated with everybody else on the court. Right. No, it's funny. That's funny. But that's my one bit of advice I like to give out to anybody who goes to their child. Right, right. Yeah, that's it's like I said. I, I, I've lived that. I mean, I, I was with uh with Basil Smotherman when his son Basil Junior. Um, I think he was a, I think his freshman and sophomore year. Basil was really, really good, man. And it was funny because, like, you know, we have some games and, you know, we get done and normally they ride home together. And it's like, you know, where's little Basil at now? His mom took him home today. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just because, you yeah. know, it's, it's just hard, you know. And like I said, you know, I, I get it that, you know, being a co- – and he did a good job of separating that. But, you know, his son would be frustrated because – you know, he felt like he yelled at him and he didn't yell at anybody else. And I'm sitting watching the game like everybody got yelled at. Every single kid, he got on everybody's case. But, you know, little Basil got it and took it like, oh, well, man, you know what? It's a personal attack. He, he's at me. You know, probably probably heard him before they before they got to the game, probably was telling him to clean his room up. You know what I mean? And kids are like, I'm tired of hearing your voice. You always got something to say. And every time you say something, it's negative. No, it's not negative. Is I'm I'm telling you just like I would tell any other kid. But like you said, though, it is hard for people to to establish that. I I learned that. Um, I learned that maybe like two years ago. I was I was riding in the car, me, Kia, um, Ari, and we had the kids in the car. And after we got done, I had just coached the game. We got done, and Ari had a pretty decent game. But I was just talking to her. I'm just like, you know, you should have done this. And you should have did that. And you should have. And I and I mean, I'm in it. Like, and, and, and you messed this up too, right? And I look back yeah. and she's sleep. She's sleep. Yeah. You want to talk about mad? <laughs> you were, hey, she, oh. hey, she, she, took, she took my advice, Harvey. I tell my kids, and I know what kind of parents they are. Right. Don't ride in the seat with him. Get in uh, the back and go to sleep. Oh, right with me. I, I, no, I understand that she did the right thing. Cause it's got to be some hours to separate. But, but you, like you tell your friend, <laughs> it's got to be some hours. I'm just, That's I'm funny. just saying, I was mad. I was, I, I was ready yeah. to pull the car over. I said, "Who? Is she gonna fall asleep on me? You gonna fall asleep on me? Yo, dad, I take care of you." And from, from that day forward, well, I, it, it kind of, you know what it did? It, it, like I, I came home, I had to sit down and I had to process it. And when I was when I was thinking, I'm like, yeah, man, you know what? Just you know, you gotta back off. Like, you know, you, you gotta you gotta give her some stuff while the the game is going on. Once we once we get ready to come home, I, I try my hardest 
to not talk about, you know what I mean, anything basketball for that day that she played. The next day, she come to me like, Dad, I thought about this, that, because she'll do that. She'll come back, hey, Dad, I saw, I used to film some stuff. And she'd be like, Dad, I'm yeah. looking at this. What, what do you think about that? That's the time when to do it. Or, you know, maybe we walk into practice and we say, hey, you know, let's work on this today. You know, we didn't do that well last game. You got to find that balance. And, and if you don't find that balance, you can put a strain on your relationship quickly. Oh, oh, absolutely. Well, Harvey, you know what I tell parents? I tell dads all the time in the program, because I consider the family uh, a father-daughter program more than anything else. Right. Uh, and brought dads into their daughters' lives and, and, and so on. But I tell the father all the time, come to a workout. Uh-huh. If you think, if you like working out with kids, or come to a workout, mm-hmm. just don't help your daughter. Right. Help another kid. Help another right. kid. Great. Because I'm, I'm telling you, daughters will then look like, why well, my dad teaching her that? You know right. why? You'd be, you'd be surprised how much daughters do watch with me my, with my, with, with me and Reggie Stewart and Uncle Mark. Right. We all had daughters about the same age. Right. And we would be in the gym together. And we pretty much handed all our daughters to the other one. Right. So it has to be someone that you trust who speaks your language. Right. It has your values. Right. But you find somebody else, like like you've always said, you know, you bring art to me, and, mm-hmm. and you know that she's going to be treated. You know, the only thing now, I'm a pawpaw. I'm not a daddy no more. I'm a pawpaw. Right. So I, she probably get treated even nicer. Right. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but no, you have to have somebody that you can let talk to your child other than you. Absolutely. And if you, and you know, if you do that, that helps the relationship too, because everything, there just has to be some type of, of distancing uh, right. that has to happen. But with that distancing will also come appreciation. Right. And she will appreciate that uh, more, what you're trying to say and do. Or, you know, you come out to a family workout and, you know, again, dad's going everybody, but you're not telling me anything. Right. You know, then, you know you'd be surprised how much she'll watch what you're showing the other players. Right. And want to do it. So, I guess it's a mind game, too. Right. Absolutely. I like that. I like that, man. I mean, def- you, you're right, though. I mean, I, I've had that. I've had that happen as well. You know, I'll go. You know, we, we'll we'll go through some skill stuff, and I'll go and help these kids where my daughter understands it and she's skilled enough to do it. And I'm not helping her. And I go over and help that person. She's like, we get in the car. She's like, well, you didn't help me with anything today. <laughs> I'm like, well, I didn't need to help you with that. You you understand that, or you have that. Oh, okay, well, you know, you told them good job. You didn't tell me, you know, just like, yeah, well, you know, when I when I want to tell you something, you're not you're not ready to listen. You know what I mean? But I I I, I can see exactly what you you know where where you're getting at with that, and I like that. You know what I mean? Going forward, I think that's something I'm definitely gonna put into uh into into some of the stuff that I do with her as well. What is who is um a a, a player that you had that was really, really easy to coach. Maybe maybe you didn't have to you didn't have to put a whole bunch of effort into a lot of stuff that they did. Um they just maybe, you know, had it as far as the game, attitude, um, you know, all around. Um, it has you know, that usually comes from a, a, a guard. Um mm-hmm. I, I think point guards are born, you don't make them. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think the players and it's funny the two players that I think of Mm-hmm. The most that come to mind are not from this state. Oh, and that's it, that's interesting. Uh, one was Miss Basketball in Kentucky, mm-hmm. Rebecca Gray, and uh, and her and her sidekick Meredith Marsh. 
Okay. And then there was a group out of Chicago. And I'm going to tell you why I like Garden out of Chicago. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you this. <laughs> uh, I already know where this is going. Uh, oh, look. You know, in Indianapolis, everybody got their own ball. Right. So you tell them to go shoot around, and they have a conversation. They shoot a shot every 15, 20 seconds. Right. In Chicago, there's only one ball. You roll right. that thing out there, and everybody fighting for it. Right. They got time to talk. Right. You're trying to keep it away. So, yeah. My Chicago, Chicago guards don't take the ball from them, and they right. will take it from you. Right. Uh, from Tosha Pointer at, at UIC, University of Illinois, Chicago, UIC. Mm-hmm. Like I said, the Pure East and Josh right now, uh, to the kids at Kentucky. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, uh, I know some Michigan kids like that. But I'm just mm-hmm. telling you, that's, uh, uh, that's just a, 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 that's an interesting phenomenon. People don't look at that. We're kid, our kids are spoiled. Yeah. Our kids, are, our kids are spoiled, but go back to your question. It, I'd have to say with guards because they tend it's that one that carries the ball with them everywhere they go. Right. No matter what they they carry the ball with them. All you got to do is give them some guidance. Right. Not so much teaching. It's just guidance. So that's the big thing. Hey, uh, let me ask you this question. I thought about it. Uh-huh. Like, you know, and I listen. Listen to the things you do. Your virtual uh, workouts. Your Mm-hmm. Uh, video workouts and things. Right. How many? How many people do you really think coaches can actually teach this game without basketball? Just, just, in, just a classroom setting conversation without a basketball that you can teach this game. This day and age. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I yeah. I I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't think that there's many. And the reason, and the reason that I don't think that there's many that can do it is just because you know, if you if you look at the makeup of how people build teams, they build they try to build teams with the best players they can find. You know what I mean? It's not it's it's no longer like what what you what you've done and what you know what I mean. Like I look at a guy like the guy that Al had, Sandy Pioni. You know, did he get people and did you get girls? Absolutely, right? But you was able to actually get kids and make them better. Like, that concept of of teaching kids and, and making them better, I don't think that everybody's doing that anymore. You know what I mean? They're, they're, we're, we're, more, we're more concerned with, um, with winning and, and – um, pushing the name of our, of our program to this new height instead of like actually saying, okay, I got five girls like, like Joshua Gilbert told me this the other day. Um, he had, he, he had about maybe seven or eight girls. He worked with them. Like he could have went out and got this girl from that team, you know, that girl from LN, but he got kids that actually they show some type of promise um, he can see that they that they're gonna be pretty decent athletes, and he's act, he's working and molding their minds and teaching them how to play the game of basketball. I don't think that this day and age, a lot of people can do that. I just I you know what I mean, just because of the simple fact of, you know, Absolutely. let me press, let me let me press and run this up to sixty, you know, and then let me let me take this same team and let me go to the EYBL and let me go play a Brandon Roy's team and try to press them and we lose by 60 like that doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> you know what i mean like if if you right. could if you can hang and play with anybody you should be able to hang and play with anybody you should never get beat bad because of you only got your your one trick a lot of these people are one trick a lot of these teams are one trick ponies 
When you think about it, I got a player that she's phenomenal. I got a couple other players that followed, and we're just going to stick with this. They Not a lot of people in, – in, in going back to your question and trying to answer what you're saying mm-hmm. – you within these games, if you're getting beat bad like that, there should be some type of adjustment that you can make that you can teach during the game that, hey, we're going to go in, we're going to attack it like this. Not many people do that. Either either you're beating people bad or you're getting beat bad. That's a problem. Okay, well, I'll say now, and, and again, and I was leading with that was teaching and education are one of the same. You have people who are audio learners, Right. You have people who are visual, visual learners and kinetic right. learners. Right. And, you know, sometimes just like you have to know the anatomy of a female when you start working out and conditioning them, you've got to have a knowledge of how things work. Right. And so there are some players who can learn by looking. Mm-hmm. There are some players who can learn by when you tell them something about listening. Right. And there are some players who can only learn by doing it. Right. And I learned this, I learned this from – uh, Slick Bobby Leonard, or Bobby Slick Leonard. I, I learned that from him, mm-hmm. uh, from the old coach from the Pacers, because there were certain players he said, hey, you got to run this offense. You I can't, you don't understand it when I draw it. So there's an understanding, which, again, you talked about teams making adjustments, but if, you don't, if you're not able to teach the individual, right. the game itself, right. then you're going to have some problems. I mean, like you, your practices have to be almost like a, a inclusion class. Right. Where you have to be able to reach to your best player has to continue to get better, but your worst player has to start catching up to the best player. Right. So so your workouts and practices have to be that way. They can't be about one or two players. Right. Uh, And I, and I think that's, I think that's an advantage that, that we have and I've always done because as an educator, I take that education Mm-hmm. Uh, or educating students to educating players, right. everything's the same. It's right. just it's just a different classroom. That's right. all. It's different. Right, man. <laughs> I really appreciate that. I mean, you know, I, I I don't think I don't think nowadays, you know, a lot of a lot of that is spent on that. You know what I mean? Is 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 you? There's people out here that are trying to be the best coach. You know, to show that they're the best yeah. coach. And, and how are you the best coach? Oh, because you win. Oh, great job, coach. Well, and that's and that's one of the things. Like I talk to Key about that all the time. It's like, you know, when when I did coach teams, I was worried about, you know what I mean? Who I'm looking at the depth chart, and and, and I would even when I when I coached. So I I, I coached a couple of freshman teams. I coached a couple of JV teams. I remember mid season, like just bringing it. We would have a practice. I would have them come in and we would talk about it. And I would say, hey, you know, here's where you're at. You know, do you think you improved? What do you need to improve on? You know what I mean? And and I would and I would go all the way down the line to, you know, the very last kid on the depth chart. And it's like, hey, you know, these are some of the things we need to work on. You know, these are things you got to, you know, you get in the game and you can't execute that. Why can't you? And just at least having those conversations, you know, I, I've always I've, I've kind of always taken that approach just because I've had coaches that have coached me that way. You know, when I was in New Jersey, I was with uh, Kevin Boyle who is at Mount Verde mm-hmm. now. He was uh, yeah, yeah. St. Patrick, uh, Patrick's High School. You know, he coached Al, Kyrie, uh, D'Angelo Russell. And now he, he's had some big names, but he, te- he, he teaches within his practices. You know what I mean? You know, if you do something wrong execution-wise, 
he's like, well, what's, you know what I mean? Why are you not executing this way? Or, or, you know, Hey, well, go take, he would have his assistants. Hey, go take him and let's go watch film or practice today. Or let's go watch the game. So he learns how to execute. Like, I think that's underrated a lot of times now, just because, you know, you, you got the kids that are bigger, faster, stronger, and maybe they're ahead of the curve, you know, but like you said, you can be that all you want. You know, if you're doing that as a sophomore or junior or whatever in high school, don't think that your next year is going to be the same way. Basketball just continues to evolve. And like you said, you said it best just uh, um, when we first started talking, you said it was lonely at the time. (laughs) We're going to come at you. Go ahead. What was you going to say? Well, you know what? I mean, no names. Just think about it. And I'll say, you know, I was, you know, my first year at Arsenal Tech, we Uh were – Six, six and 18. Okay. Six and 18. Uh-huh. Now, granted, they were on 21 the year before. We were mm-hmm. six and 18, uh-huh. which is definitely a learning experience for me. Right. And, but on that team, on that team, there's a kid who played at another school, mm-hmm. JV, for three years. Mm-hmm. And she comes to play. Now, granted, she played for a six and 18 team, but right. she was first team. In her all conference, in her conference, wow. she was first team all city, right? And she was one of the top sixty players, top one hundred seniors, top sixty players. I would be willing to bet there was a, not another top sixty player that had that kind of background. They right. played varsity one year, right? And made it to basically the top, whether she made the team or not. Right, she made it there. You right. know, and you got, you know what I mean? You've got state champs and everything. You know what I mean? Right. So, again, going back to the confidence and the individual development, you know, you know, and, and she could easily say, well, I should have played four years here, maybe. Right. Maybe. Right. He might not be able to take me for four years. Right. <laughs> you know, but right. for one year, it was the best move for you. So, again, I just never liked in a, you know, when I just say or people, they start giving you these forms. They get your forms in the summertime and tell you fill out for your varsity team. How do you know <laughs> right. who's going to be on your varsity team in the summer? Right. I mean, you got a preconceived notion. You're not already cut kids. Right. I just, like I said, there's a lot of things. Now, we won't even, there, there's a whole other podcast. Well, I, I, I mean, it's, it's, funny, yeah. it's funny you said that because, I mean, you know, I, I, I trained a girl. Um, I got her two years ago. And um, Regent, Regent Stewart Melson or Regent Melson, um, Kevin Melson had her uh, the two years before. And then um, she was playing JV um, at Mount Vernon. She was playing JV uh, and wasn't really, you know, wasn't doing a whole bunch. You know what I mean? Wasn't playing much, wasn't getting the ball at JV. And I got her the summer of uh, – of her sophomore year going into a junior year and she transferred to, uh, to Anderson prep and kind of was the same thing. Like, you know, we worked, I mean, she, she was coming to the gym, you know, we was going about four or five times a week. And, um, once she got into her season, we, we were looking at film, you know, just the same thing. Like you said, just, just actually teaching. And I, and what I was doing was, you know, when I coached, um, you know, I was, I was varsity assistant North central, with Dan right. Ramey, I was a varsity assistant, um, uh, and I was a JV coach. I was an assistant over at Heritage Christian, and I was an assistant at Westfield. And a lot of times they made me run errands. I got to the point where 
by the time I got to Heritage Christian, because I started at Westfield and I got to Heritage Christian, Basil Smotherman was like, man, you got to go scout. You got to go do this. You got to put a game to play. You got to put a game plan. Let me tell you, I tell this story all the time. Um, I scouted Yogi Ferrell for, what, two years? And I, that was – that was he was the worst guy to scout for because you had to pick something, right? You had to pick – was he going to get 40 points or was right. it going to hold him to 10? And, nope, and, and Trayvon Blewett, who should be a pro, he, he, he had some issues. Trayvon was enough to beat us. Like, we would hold Yogi – to, you know, 15 points, and Trayvon would have, like, 35. And Trayvon was a sophomore. You know what I mean? Right. So, you know, it, it just just to think of, of, of good basketball players. But basically, I learned how to scout. I learned how to break stuff down. I learned how to come together with plans. You know, even when we won the state championship in twenty in 2012 uh, in North Central, we, we, I helped a lot with the, with the scout. You know what I mean? Hey, we should play them this way. You know, uh, uh, sitting in the office talking and stuff like that. So I did the same thing for Madison. You know, and I told her, I'm like, hey, you know, you need to do this. You you shooting two, you shooting threes or you driving to the basket. If I'm scouting against you, all right, play her off the three point line, take a charge. You know, and I and I was and I was kinda I start talking to her in a language that she could understand and she started putting this stuff in and then lo and behold, she got the top sixty. You know, and this was a girl that as a sophomore, you know, a sophomore going to a junior season, she was on J V not playing. You know, right. but yeah, that that teaching part of it is is so instrumental. You know what I mean? I, I think that just it gets overlooked. Oh well, let's let's go to the gym and let's go shoot some shots. You know what I mean? Or let's or let's just work on your ball handling, or let's just practice and then get ready for this, and not um, going through it and and bettering the the basketball IQ or knowledge of these players. You gotta have that. You know, some people ask me all the time. Um, you need to ask a question, well, you know, what makes you so good at e- evaluating talent? You right. know, where did you learn to evaluate talent? But if you have some conversations with George Gervin, he'll break down every offensive player there is in the league. <laughs> right. Strength and weakness, win weakness. He'll tell you who can't dribble right, who can't go right and score, oh, who can't go goodness. left and score. But, the biggest, <laughs> but you know, with, with that being done, I tell him, hey, real life, go play at the park at 13 or 14 years old, and you got – 25, 30 people up there. And so you know how when once it gets enough people, you shoot for captains who's going to be the captain. Right. Funny is I I hurried up and made sure I made my first free throw so I could choose a team. Right. And then I had to choose four other players that I'm going – that we're going to win some games because if we lose, I'm not playing no more that day. And so you really – you start learning chemistry. You start learning how players play. Yeah. And, you know, every time that I had friends, I didn't choose. Because, right. hey, I wanted to stay and play a couple of games. And so it, it's funny how life, you know, again, how life teaches you some things. But how I learned to evaluate players, right, right there at Golden Hill, now Bertha Ross Park, right. and picking some guys that I knew the week ago and right. stayed up for four or five games. Right. Like saying again, and you got to make your first free throw. So free throws are important. Right. But if you miss your free throw, you weren't you weren't gonna get picked up until you get older, until you get good enough to be picked up. Right. But right. but I was good at picking four of the players to go with me, and we we ran. I, every couple times we ran the whole court for the for the whole evening. Right. And and so, but but again, that's just you know you you learn how many kids can do that now. How many people right. go out into the park and play that way? 
that's why that's why I love talking to you, man. Because like I said, I I you know we we have some training sessions and stuff like that. And like I said, you know, I and I tell my daughter the same thing. I'm like, when you step onto the floor, if you if you can't, I, I'm like, I don't care if you haven't seen if you haven't seen this team ever. I'm like, if you step onto the floor and you get up and down and you've had maybe about five or six possessions and you can't tell me what people like to do, something's wrong. Period. First of all, you need to know you need to know who's guarding you, and then when you're guarding them, what they like to do. And then after that, you need to know, okay, this play I mean, you should be thinking, you should be thinking the game. You should be thinking like, okay, what do they like to do? You know what I mean? Who's their shooter? Who's their scorer? Who's who's the defender on the team? Who's gonna give energy? Who what can't they do? I'm like, these are the things you need to be thinking about so that when you step on the floor, by the time you start, you start implementing stuff and you start playing offensively and you start doing different things, you should know already, okay, I, I know that this person really is not a good defender. You know what I mean? I can make a move and get by them, and that person, down there, that's the shot blocker. As soon as they step up, I can drop the ball off. So just like what you said, <laughs> I, when, you, when you start talking, I'm like, man, I'm like, these are the things that I have conversations with, not only the kids that we train, but I talked to my daughter about that. I'm like, you know, you, you need to know, can that person shoot? Okay, well, why are you getting close? You're going to let them drive by you? You know, you, you should know these things. Yeah, I mean, it's important to know. And, and, and that's another part of it, too, that I um, – what you said about, the, about playing in the park. You know, I don't think that enough kids get open gym times to, to actually, like, try to implement what they got. You know, some kids go train – some kids practice. Practice practice to me now, and I'm not saying every program, but practice to me is kind of like a joke, you know, especially especially because it just seems like kids kind of go through the motion. Uh, if you let them play a little bit, they will. But it just seems like practice is not like when, when, when I was at St. Patrick's as a freshman, practice was the hardest thing ever. You know, we had guys – you like, you know, a lot of times they would try to match me up against my brother, which was a crazy mismatch because he was 6'9 and I was 6'4, right? And, you know, they're like, oh, well, guard your brother. It's like, he's going to kill me. He put his back to the basket and he could dribble the ball. He could shoot right over the top of me. It was a problem, but I would try to guard him, right? But it, it, I, would, I remember as a freshman, my brother and the starting five would go against, like, we, we had a freshman squad that was really good. You know, Marcus Austin, he went to Villanova. Right. Um, um, we had uh, uh, Sam Lake. He played for St. Peter's. I mean, we had some guys that can play. And as freshmen, you know, when we played some JV or they would put us in for garbage, I mean, we would kill people, right? But when we got to practice, I mean, I, I remember one time going so hard at my brother and I went and scored a couple of times. He's like, he just ran over. He's like, okay. He's like, you're trying to embarrass me. He said, okay. And for the rest of the practice, I don't think I scored. I don't think I did anything. It got personal. Like, I'm not about to let you do I'm about to put the shackles on you because you're not about to make me – like, we already know I'm going to start. We already know that I'm the top player, this, that, and the other. But you just came out at me, and you're trying to make me look bad. Okay, I'm going to fix that. And that was my brother, right? So I don't, I don't feel that um, enough kids get the, um, get the repetition of the game besides in the game. And then when kids get in the game – they revert to their old ways. A lot of them. They're not going to change what they do. They need that open gym or that that park setting where, you know, you're going to go out and you're going to beat the older guy. And, you know, in between that, you know, maybe you've been working on some stuff and it's like, okay, let me see if it works. Or how can I make this work? You know, that that's that's just – that's missing big time. But like I said, man, every time I talk to you, 
you say something and it's like, man, I just start thinking back like, okay, man, <laughs> you know, I, I talked to my daughter about that now, or I've had a conversation with somebody the other day about planning a park. I grew up in New Jersey where, you know, I, or by the time I started playing, there was grown men out there. Them guys, them and one guys, main event and bone collector. And these guys was playing on the blacktop. And it was like, sometimes I would just be standing over there watching. Nobody picked me up. And I had to, and guess yeah. what? When they left, I'm out there shooting. I'm working on my handles. I'm doing this. I'm doing, and then all of a sudden somebody picked me up. And it's like, once I got there, it's like, okay, I'm not getting back off. You know, I need them to know that I can play, but we don't have that anymore. So, and I think, I think that mentality and, and, and being in that environment helped you mentally to be like, oh, you know what? I don't need nobody. I don't need to go and play on, you know, main events team. I want to play against him. I want to beat him. You know what I mean? I, I don't have to go over here and work out with main events trainer or work, or work out where he's working out at. I'm working out right here because next time we play them, we're going to beat them and we're going to win the rest of the time while we're here. So that that's you know, you know Harvey, I, I you know I recreate that that part atmosphere in in our gyms. I get the end of our workouts. I tell our kids we pick two kids. And sometimes they may be the new kids that came in, right. and we tell or we break it up so you have to select you know a, a team of five, but you get to draft. You know right. you just line them up and you pick who you want. Right. And that to me helps our kids understand because. That means when you walk in their gym, not only are you trying to improve yourself, you're watching to see what other players do. Right. So that we, you know, and and so when the new kid, you look at her, you go like, okay, you're going to be a team captain. I don't know any of these people, but right. you know, you want to you want to go from being the last person taken to the first person taken. Right. That's when you know you've improved. Right. You know, when when we started, when you start doing that at the beginning of your workouts in the spring. And right. you've been the last person chosen, or one of the last two or three people chosen every time. Right. And now here you come in June, you know, a couple months later, you the first or second person chosen, you the first right. round draft pick. Right. <laughs> then you know, then you know you're earning people's respect and you're getting better. It's not a friends thing. Right. Because I've watched them after a while, after a couple months, I've watched friends not pick for years, so they're going like, "Hey, I want to win." You're not going to help me win. I'm not <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't know how that does with the friendship later on. Probably have conversation. <laughs> but again, we're in there. To, we're in, we're there to make you better players. Right. And so what happens outside that gym? That's on you. But right. I'm in the gym, and you start and you start watching the kids. And those the kids who, who start picking those teams, honestly, honestly, Harvey, mm. are the coaches that are in college right now. Right. They're coaching in college right now. Right, you know, because they're excellent, they're good recruiters, they're good coaches, they're understanding chemistry. Right. The players in the family that came through, right. that started picking those players to win games, right, uh, are now coaching in college, and so that's just again, that's a life experience and a life learning lesson. Yeah, man. Well, you know what, I I want to thank you for coming on, man. I, you know what I mean. I we we have conversations, man, and we talk for hours at a time. And like I said, I just enjoy I enjoy talking to you. I enjoy the knowledge that that you give uh, to me. I enjoy the fact that you know what I mean. You you could talk to my daughter and leave a lasting impression. You know, like when you bring her, y'all tell her something. She comes home is like, Daddy, let me let me tell you what Coach Mayweather said. What he say, baby? What he say? <laughs> he told me that with my shot, I'm holding it like this, and you said that, and and you or you said this, and he said, that. I'm like, well, you know what? I said, I said he sees something. 
that, you know what I mean, that, that you need to fit. I said, you know, all right, baby, he, he, you know, when he, when he tells you stuff, I want you to take it with you. I want you to always, I said, I said, keep it in your mind. I said, when you're working at your stuff, I said, keep the stuff in mind. I said, he's coached well over, you know, a, a, a ton of players that have been successful on each level. You know, you start talking, you know, middle school, high school, college, even professional. I said, this, these are the people you need to listen to. And as I said, I enjoy when you guys do. It's not like, you know, she just goes there and it's like, oh, I just had a good time. Well, you know, she's telling me what you guys are telling her. So I just want to thank you, your daughters, um, for, for the impact that you guys are having on these kids, not only as athletes, but you guys are impacting their lives as people. And that's what I value. Like you said, I, I won't just let my daughter go to any old body, period. I mean, I, I, there's, there's really only two people I trust. <laughs> and it's like, okay, I, I'm not just sitting there anywhere. I'm not, you know, even I, I have enough. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not bullheaded that I feel like, oh, well, I'm just going to make her the best and I, and I know what's best. No, I have to trust. I have to trust what you're saying. I have to trust what you're doing. And, and the biggest part is, I have to trust that you are trying to help her as a person more than anything. <laughs> you know what I mean? The sports and all that. Uh, and, and, I, and, I and, I, and I appreciate that. Like I said, if you can't uh, – we don't want you to come into our gym and say right. you learn nothing. Right. That's it. If right. you can't learn somewhere – like I tell somebody, you know, John Lucas said this best. If you're the best player in your gym, every time you go in your gym, it's time for you to go to another gym. Another gym, that's right. You have to go somewhere where you can learn something and be better. You can't want to be – Right. You know, you can't just want to go to the gym because I'm the best player in this gym. Everybody's going to look up to me. Right. It's not going to get you anywhere. You, right. you, you've you got to go and challenge yourself and see what it is. You can still learn. I learn every conversation we have. By talking to you, right. I know the mindset of what the younger coaches are thinking and doing. Right. And it makes me adjust to things that I'm doing, which is why, you know, I, I love having my young daughter around because she's closer in age to them. Right. Damn, like I said, I'm a pawpaw. I'm not even a daddy no more. I'm just a pawpaw. Right. And they won't run over me. <laughs> but uh, but with her, but with her, you know, I mean, she can she can get on her Twitter accounts, their right. their social media accounts, know what they're doing, right. and they don't feel invaded. They don't. You know, they really kind of appreciate it. Right. it, it <laughs> she said they invade hers. But you know, <laughs> that's the. So, but uh, but anyway, like I said, man, I appreciate the time. It's always good to talk to you and. If it helps the people who are listening or want to listen to this and have questions, I don't know, man. Maybe we need to get together and have a seminar sometime and then invite some parents and things to it. That would be great. Yeah, well, you know what? There, there it is. All right, you already said it. Once once we get to this little corona thing, I mean, not little corona, but once we get to this corona thing, <laughs> we'll, we'll start, we'll start uh, doing that. Because I, I, I definitely I, – I've been thinking about that, about, you know what I mean, educational side. And, and I mean helping parents and helping kids. I mean, that's – that's what we're here for. You know what I mean? That's what we're here for. We want to, we want to, if you have goals, we want to push you towards it. And then, like I said, we want to develop good people as well. But hey, man, thank you for coming on. I, I'm finally, finally, we've been talking about this for forever for you getting on. And I mean, this is, this has been definitely a great conversation. I hope that if you're listening, uh, I hope that you take some of this stuff to heart. And I, and I hope that we said something that can help you or your child going forward. I want to thank you guys for listening. Um, as coach said, we do, we're doing a couple virtual workouts, um, on our Facebook page, dream chasers, basketball, Indy, uh, it's a space in between all of them. We just do some, we're doing some ball handling, some conditioning, something.
to, to get the kids moving, get them off the couch. I mean, we do this. Uh, this is totally free. Um, we just enjoy doing this stuff. And, and like I said, in this time, I think this is something that can uplift some kids and, and, and parents and keep the kids moving. So that's why we're doing it. So uh, check it out when you get a chance. And I want to thank you all for listening. Appreciate you.